and welcome back to the Grand Slam Tennis Podcast, the tennis podcast for amateur players by amateur players. Um, and we do have a little bit of an apology to make. It is a bit overdue this episode for sure. Um, a few excuses that we've got lined up ready for you. One is that there's so much tennis to watch that we're barely finding time to record. The second is that we're playing tennis because we're mid-league season. And the third is that Ricky's been a little bit ill. So if he, uh, if he sounds a little rough around the edges, do, do give him some sympathy. If I'm honest, ladies and gentlemen, I've barely recovered from the stag do. I, um, the last time you heard from me was immediately post-stag do. And to be fair, it's been, it's been a rocky road since that point. Um, I have... So when I hit 30, I started on the two-day hangovers. You're now claiming a two-week hangover. It's only been two weeks. It feels, <laughs> it feels like two months. Um, no, there's been a lot of wedmen, a lot of wedmen because I'm getting married in a few weeks. Um, there's been a lot of there's a lot of people coming out like coming out of the woodwork, not coming out of the woodwork, but really nicely going. Oh, can we have our sort of you know last drink as a single man sort of thing? So it's been difficult to turn stuff down. And to be honest, I spent I played um, I played. Six, sorry, seven hours of cricket on the hottest Saturday of the year, 35 degrees C, and then we played tennis on the Sunday, and I I had to take Monday off work f- via sunstroke. It was, <laughs> like, abs- and then I went home early on Wednesday as well. I was absolutely gone. Like, I've been so ill. So apologies, ladies and gentlemen, um, but woe is me. I've got, you know, too many people, too many nice things to do and too many sports to play. I'll tell you what, the Sunday, I didn't feel too bad immediately after the, the hottest Saturday of the year. It's 35 degrees, which is hot for London and uh, arranged a nice friendly game of doubles. And we were on the, we're very lucky at Ely. We've got six grass courts. They're not the greatest grass courts in the world, but, you know, they are grass courts and they're, they're, they're serviceable. And, you know, you're out there in the sunshine. It was about 25 degrees. I was with three, I was with Alison, you know, who I'm going to marry, and then two of my really good mates. And we had a really, really good game of tennis. I think it was like 8-6, 6-4 or something like that. Like, fabulous game of tennis. And you're just so blessed. Like, so lucky. I appreciate this comes across as, like, white middle-class privilege or whatever else. But... It was just really lovely to be out on a tennis court in perfect conditions with my mates, playing some doubles, and it was great. And, you know, I, I, if, if, if that's why I'm ill, then I, I, I will not apologise uh, because it was worth it. It was a really lovely, lovely afternoon. But we are now sat here with a nice, exceptionally large glass of Muscadet. Oh, you would Muscadet, Which is the though. perfect summer accompaniment. Okay, <laughs> we're, watching, we're watching Wimbledon, which is English, and okay, it's French, but it's a lovely light, summer fresh white, perfect for easy drinking and watching some tennis. So we're currently in a bit of an interlude because we are wanting to watch Coco Goff in her singles against her cats. Not her catch. Uh, her cog. Um, but we've just... Herkax lost today against Djokovic. That's what you're thinking. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> that's um, later in the running order. That's later in the running order. But we're, say, with a nice glass of wine, and we're watching a little bit of Auger Aliazim, who uh, is playing Hugo Umber, whilst um, Herkog calls a controversial injury timeout. Yes, it's the, oh, I've lost a set having been a breakup on a tie break. And oh, all I've of just, sudden, I just all felt of a sudden, my, my little fingernails hurting a little. All of a sudden, my um, uh, adductor hurts. Yeah, and I'm going to call the... Uh, injury timeout. But before we get stuck into Wimbledon, because we are in the thick of it, we were a bit tardy on our episode, and it's got to be noted 
that on Andy Murray's return to tennis, competitive tennis on the doubles court, he takes the pressure off himself. You know, he plays with Feli Lopez, Feliciano Lopez, who's in the singles draw at Queen's. You know, pretty much a designated singles tennis player. Um, And only goes and wins the thing. And then Feli just backs it up by winning the singles as well. What well, a lad. Well, what I mean, a he, lad. he won the singles first, didn't he? Well, he won he? the singles first uh, and then followed it up with uh, the doubles win with Andy Murray. But it looked like Andy hadn't been away from a tennis court. His touch was unbelievable. Well, I mean, you don't you don't lose your touch. Um, as, you know, as, as we all know. I do, and it takes a week off. <laughs> well, I mean, you haven't felt the touch for some time. Uh, but the, I think the... Um, you know, it was great. I think Nick Kyrgios said it best, didn't it? It's just great to see him yeah. back around the place. Um, you know, he he is... I think he's been part of the jigsaw, the tennis jigsaw, and it's it, there has, to a certain degree, been, been a player missing. Having only three players that are really good enough to take mm-hmm. big wins off the, yeah. the, off, the, off the big three hasn't been great. I mean, I know Andy Murray hadn't done it for some time, prior to his injury but you know having him there because he had done it plenty in the past felt like he could do it again yeah um and to have him back is you know obviously he's not playing singles um which i don't think he i'm not sure he will again well he's uh well no he said he certainly won't play singles this year he's just basically building up fitness seeing how much his his hip can take before he makes a decision so he said certainly not this year I'm, but I'm, he's not ruled it out. I'm a big fan of his um, surgeon who, you know, what seems to be really interesting is is that he ha- obviously Andy Murray's made enough money that he has the option of going with any surgeon in the world that, that he wants to, this um, hip, hip operation. And the surgeon that he went with, sorry, the surgeon that he declined, who is kind of considered the... Um, the you know the prime the, you know the premier surgeon for this this particular operation in in the world who do, does a lot of US based athletes lots of baseball players NFL players ice hockey players things like this um, had come in and said yeah you know we'll get you up and running we'll get you know very kind of brash American and and, and not to stereotype but I think because I think the other surgeon is also American as well but she came in and said there are no guarantees. You know, this is a very difficult operation. It's very technical, and people react to it in very different ways. And to be honest, there's a good chance that you won't ever play competitive tennis again. Mm. You know, and and she was much more pessimistic, you might say, or much more realistic. Um, in tune with uh, Andy Murray's well, vibe, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, I think I think what Andy Murray reading between the lines of the interview, I think he appreciated sport, the honesty. I think he could. I think he couldn't take the idea of someone building his hopes up that mm. he was going to yeah, play, yeah. Yeah. and then that not to happen for that to be taken away. I think he he'd rather have that pessimistic approach, and then if we exceed expectations, then that's fantastic, rather than the other way around. So that's been really interesting to to kind of take note note of. Um, I think that's kind of what's been underplayed in all of this is Feliciano Lopez's effort. Not in the the weeks up to you know up to the tournament, but also on the day, winning what was a ridiculously tight men's singles match. Um, my mum was watching it at, at the time, and at times because she wanted Andy Murray, she's a big Andy Murray fan, and because she wanted Andy Murray to win, mm-hmm. she was rooting at times rooting for the other guy, um, whose name slips out of my head for now. But um, because Lopez went to set down, and she was rooting for. 
his opponent to win the uh, the second set so that it was over so that uh, he'd be fresh for the he'd, match. He'd be fresh for the match. Uh, obviously, it went to three. Lopez won, and then um, and then came pretty much straight back on court and won with Murray. Yeah, what a fabulous effort, and and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. Um, but I think we've moved on. From, the tennis world's moved on from Queens. Um, but you know what? What is fabulous is that we've we've still got Andy playing doubles at uh, at Wimbledon with, and I'm very jealous because my mum and dad are at Centre Court today, and they're what they're going to get the chance to watch Andy Murray uh, versus Serena, which uh, is a it's an, un- a it's an unbelievable combo. It's an unbelievable combo, and it is a once in a kind of lifetime kind of chance to see two two absolute greats playing together at, at such a such an amazing tournament and as we sort of promised last week it got us even more thinking um you know about all the you know using current and historic players like what the sort of ideal doubles combos i'm not sure ideals be. i'm not well if you if, if that's how you interpret it then that's 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 absolutely fine and fair enough i interpreted this as my dream well partnerships not not necessarily ideal. The, the ideal ones, because the ideal ones would be probably the most effective. And yeah. let's be honest, that might actually be quite dull to watch. Yeah, and actually, to be fair, none of our combinations <laughs> are poten- potentially that effective. Are no, no, no. Well, like, the first, the first one I've written down here is I thought you know so so the the setting that we decided to the parameters I suppose are that Andy and Andy and Serena are going to play. It's just been confirmed on centre court, so I won't see my parents until probably half eleven, but that's fine. Um, you know they they stay in our flat. They you know they drink our wine, they eat our cheese, and then they bugger off to Wimbledon for all day. Yeah, good luck to them. Um, <laughs> but thanks for helping out with the wedding. Uh, but the um, the the, the uh, yeah, so so they're going to get to witness history, and so I you know we got I I kind of approaches of through my tennis watching history. So watching it probably from the mid nineties, late nineties yeah. onwards. And apologies that. I'm sure that there are people that you know you'd love to hear us chat about here, or that you'd love that you think deserve to be in the mix. But but we're only kind of going from our tennising sphere of reference. The first name I wrote down was who does Pete Sampras partner? Yes, because Pete Sampras, so centre court at Wimbledon, massive serve, unbelievable volleyer, so dominating at the net, puts you under so much pressure. Pete Sampras. Uh, to to be who does he play with? Well, I initially wrote down John Isner, and then and I immediately and a little bit of his soul did die in the process. Well, then I immediately scribbled it out, and then I wrote Goran Ivanovic, Ivanovic, because I thought two unbelievable servers. The opponents are going to die of boredom because they're never ever 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 going to be able to believe uh, to break serve. <laughs> Uh, and 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 then I scribbled Izanizovic out, and I'm not 100 percent sure why I did, but I've replaced him. I think it's purely because I wanted to crowbar him into the conversation at some point. Ivo Karlovic, <laughs> the oldest man still playing singles on tour. He is 40 years old, ladies and gentlemen, and he still has probably the best serve on tour. I mean, I've seen him play live twice. And I, he never conceded break point when I see it or saw him play live. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's it, he's got he's got about ten serves yeah. in the locker. He can hit kicker slice flat to all three 
areas of the the service box, and he's he's got an, he, he's sorry. Well, that's that's just his first serve. He, he he has got an unbelievable range of serve. He's unbelievable. I, the best server. If you if there's any kids watching or kids listening to this along with their parents in the car or whatever else, you want to learn how to get better at serving. YouTube Evo Karlovic and copy everything that man does <laughs> because it is phenomenal. I mean, what a player he is. And then the the other. So so we're talking about dream partnerships. Yeah. And we're talking about players that you. You'd want to see play together, right? Oh yeah. And again, my frame of reference, sort of mid nineties to now. So I went with Michael Chang and Nick Kyrgios. I mean, that would be that Cheeky. would be such a great partnership. Cheeky if, partnership. But if you also, if you wanted to take the trick shot up a level, you could tag in at any moment. Who are you going to go with? Here? You could tag in Mahesh Bhupati. Mahesh, who. Just literally just strolled onto centre court and would just rip trick shots left, right, and centre. I mean, I all think that, day. I think that's all he's got. Yeah, it is all he's got. No, no I'm not saying. I'm not but, saying that, that that that's the limit of his ability. What I'm saying is that because he only practices the trick shots. Yeah. He can't actually play conventional shots I mean, anymore. I'm still struggling to see the negative here. <laughs> I'd love to. I mean, we also talked about who are like coming up with our favourite, who we'd most like to partner, and I've written down Leighton Hewitt. Well, I mean that would yes. I mean because of the high fiving, the high and the come on him. Oh, it would just be unbearable on court. I, I mean, there were some it. big come ons the other night when we played, and we got absolutely dicked by uh, a <laughs> uh, much better opponents. Said like you know they did have two coaches on the court and some thirteen year old who was six foot four. Some thirteen year old gun. <laughs> how did you go against him? Yeah, not very well. No, no, no. How many? I, I I played with a coach and still lost six love. Yeah, yeah, they were <laughs> decent. They were. I mean. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob chose again not to play with me, and I tied. That's it. But uh, you know, but uh, they uh, they were they were they were good, and uh, there were some big come ons echoing around. But you would also you just grind your opposition into just depressed boredom. If, oh, if, yeah. you were, if you were in late oh. Europe, whereas I was like, I can't. If, if I was to have some fun on a tennis court, I couldn't look past having having the chance to not only play with Nick Kyrgios, but. His ideal preparation seems to be a few pints down the dog and back before. <laughs> it's very Ealing sick so, team. So, it is a very and, and, Ealing and I, sick and team. And I'm sure he could be persuaded for a couple of post-match pints <laughs> as well. So for me, like that ticks all the boxes. I love the idea of Nick. Nick. What are we doing here? Yeah, at this point, we are mates now. We just refer to him as Nick. And, and let's get down the dog and duck. Let, let, dog and fox. Dog and fox. Sorry, it was the dog and fox. Have, yeah. you, have you booze down there? I have been down to the Dog and Fox, yeah, a couple of times, yeah. Decent yeah, yeah. pub? It's an all right pub. There are better pubs there. Oh, savage. Oh, there right, are cool. better cool. pubs cool. there, but, but it's, where it's... Would you Where would you have frequented if you were if you were heading down? Well, where serves Wimbledon, Wimbledon uh, Pale Ale? Well, most, most, most um, pubs down there. The one I like is called the Crooked Billet which is not quite in Wimbledon Village. It's five minutes around the corner on a little green, and that's great. And you can, that's pucker, is it? It's a great little pub, Young's Pub, um, and they also have, like, uh, lounges so that you take your beer out in a plastic cup and sit on the, sit on the lawn. And they've got the tennis on live? Uh, I don't know if they have the got a screen They must there. do during the week. I don't know if they've got a TV in there. Oh, they will do during the week, sure. But anyway, we have digressed. Point being... No, 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 I think this is a good point, digression. Point being, pre-match pints... 
Great game of tennis with an absolute lad. Post-match pints, I'm in. See, I've written down... The other one I've circled written down and underlined three times here is Tim Hemman. Oh, Tim Hemman would be... Yeah, I mean, would it... Because be you good, have the crowd. It would be, be great to play with him. You'd have the support. Would it be a fun game of tennis? No, but... <laughs> but, I mean, he wouldn't miss a volley, for a start. The other thing... The other he could thing, also do keepy-uppies with a tennis ball. The other thing you would do is... Because he's a scratch golfer and can pretty much walk into any golf club in West, in West London. So you, you, would have an, you would have an unbelievable... Um, pre pre match um, sort of preparation meeting, which would be on a golf course, and you but could go around you, any of the like you go around like some of the nice golf you, courses. Have you seen his ability to play, to do kick ups with the tennis ball? I haven't. I know he's a scratch golfer, which is so more impressive. A couple of years ago, there was a YouTube clip. There was like Andy Murray, who is renowned for like warming up with the tennis ball, playing football and stuff, and yeah. he could, he he did like. 35 kick-ups oh, the like and then there was someone else who managed like 40 odd or something and then Tim Henman in a suit in smart black shoes in an office at Wimbledon 110 kick-ups with a tennis ball it's just a little bit too middle class it was though. an unbelievable scene I, I love the I loved I mean having played doubles with you and you know you hit a first serve Chip goes up and then the volley goes in the net. It would be refreshing to play with Tim Henman and just watch that volley be put but away. But what would also be entertaining <laughs> is if I was to partner Andy Roddick and then you've got two players who do everything they can to run around their backhand. But, but is, this, is, this, is this a pre-Jimmy Connors uh, coaching Andy Roddick or a post? Because he could volley after Jimmy Connors coached him. Well, I, like, I, and it was one of those things where Jimmy Connors was still his coach, and he still couldn't volley. And then Jimmy Connors was not his coach anymore, and Andy Roddick kind of clicked and was like, <laughs> "Oh, I understand how to volley," and he kind of left him with that legacy. Yeah, I mean, if I could have him volleying, it's a bonus because, like me, he doesn't have a backhand. So, but what he does have, unlike me, is an immense first serve. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure he'd go with your knee-high socks either. That you've just just sort of started I, frequenting. Yeah, I have started rocking the retro the retro socks, but uh, it turns out the results haven't gone my way since I've uh, worn them. So we did we did discuss mixed doubles partners. Yeah, but, we did a bit, didn't we? But other than Anna Konnikova, who obviously came up, yeah. Um, I I thought that my from a tennising perspective, and and frankly from a I think she'd be really good fun on a tennis court. Serena Williams would be my partner. Oh, she would be, undoubtedly. So we both kind of agreed on that. So that was I mean, kind I'd, of a I'd non-starter like, of a conversation. I'd like to play with Lauren Davis. Just going to put that out there. The American. Yeah. She's doing really well, this tournament. She's absolutely smashing. She's, Who did she, she beat the other, um, in the second round? Did she beat Margaretha? No, she didn't beat Margaretha. Um, she beat a decent name. She played really well. I am embarrassingly my, just going uh, to have to quickly Google this. You're going to quickly Google. Well, whilst you Google, I'll fill. Because um, my parents went to watch her at Edgebaston at the DFS. And they, I think it's still called the DFS. And she they be, said oh, she Angelique, was absolutely fabulous uh, to watch. Unbelievable backhand and, like, really phenomenal to watch live. Like, there's a lot more work going on on the ball. Like She's, like, really... You know when you watch... Um, you know, when you watch an athlete and there's just a difference, a point of difference, and like the, mm. the amount of work going into the ball and everything else. They were, they, they, like, they've watched a lot of tennis, phenomenally impressed by, uh, by her. So, yeah. so that's good. And she beat, well, she, beat, she beat Angelique Kerber. I knew she'd be in a name, yeah, I wasn't yeah. 100% sure who she'd yeah, be. Yeah, no, it was go. a good, good line that. So, 
So that that kind of brings us neatly. I think it's difficult to look past Serena. Yeah. For 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 Wimbledon. I mean, there's we'll get on to we'll get on to who we think is going to win the whole thing later on in the conversation. But it's a nice little segue into the fact that Coco, Coco Goff is a breakup in the second. She's first literally set. just done it against Hercog, who feigned a hip adductor injury, as far as we're concerned, and. She, we watched her win. We watched her win the second set on a uh, tiebreak, oh, tie having, having come back from five two down. Unbelievable! Um, only one break, but uh, she held, broke, held to go five all. Took it to a tiebreak. Won the tiebreak, having had three yeah, set points. Like she won it nine seven, I think. Won it nine seven, and now she's three. She's three one up and thirty lover, and she's. 15 and something like 229 days or something like that. She's not even 15 and a half, right? She's not even like, it's not like she's nearly 16, which not that that would make any of this any less impressive. No, and the fact that she's going to have to bin off a physics test because it looks like she's going into week two. I mean, it reminds me, it reminds me of my high school days when I had to bin off physics tests. I mean, you know, I remember that, oh my, can you imagine phoning up going, yeah, hello, hello, professor. Yeah. Uh, hello, teacher. Yeah. Sorry. Um, through to the second week, so hashtag not going to make the test, I'm afraid. Oh, what's that? I can take it remotely. Oh, can I? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, probably, probably not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, mo- the best teacher I ever Actually, it's had- just held at 4-1 now, so this Four- is just awesome. So I had a, the only comparison I can make to this, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I can bring it back to make about myself. <laughs> Was, um, I'm intrigued to see where this is going. So, so I had the opportunity of um, studying on a year abroad in, at Calgary University, which is very close to uh, Banff and Lake Louise, which is a big skiing place. I love to ski. I'm, you know, it's probably probably the thing I enjoy to do most in life. Uh, along, Apart from along, record this podcast, along with play tennis and, and everything <laughs> else. But ski, ski, you know, it's one of those things. You live in Britain, you get to do it once or twice a week every year, and it's absolutely phenomenal stuff. And um, so I was studying abroad, and you, your grades don't count. You just have to pass. And it was the week of the FIS Grand Prix, which is kind of like, the, yeah, it's like the Grand Prix of skiing, the downhill competition at Lake Louise. And uh, I, I, I emailed my professor, and I was like, look, I'm going to be straight with you. I'm going to be up on the mountain, probably not going to get a lot of sleep this weekend. The test's on Monday morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> and legitimately, I'm probably not going to be back um, and if I am back, I'm probably not going to be in any state to take the test. Um, what, do you, what What's your sort of recommended course of action? Do you need me to get back? And he went, no, don't worry, take it next week. And I would like to think that Coco Goff's <laughs> physics teacher would adopt a similar sort of laissez-faire strategy. Yeah, don't, don't worry. I think you'll be okay. Centre court Wimbledon <laughs> is probably a decent excuse. Decent mitigation. Better, better than, better than say, telling me your goldfish has just died. Yeah, yeah. Dog ate the homework. Uh, yeah. All those classics. Yeah, sorry. I mean, the other one that comes to mind, and again, apologies if you're a non-English sort of listener or or non-Commonwealth listener, I suppose. Sachin Tendulkar uh, famously had to have permission from his headmaster to go and play for India when he was 17. And had oh, to have wow, a written letter. The B, uh, the BCCI, I think it is the uh, uh, British. Uh, sorry, the uh, the Border Control for Cricket India um, insisted that his headmaster write him a letter to allow him to play, play cricket, and he played Love cricket that. at seventeen. So it's a similar similar sort of circumstance. But I don't think I've ever seen 
anyone so compared. She's this is a, her car is not a, she's ninety in the world or sixty in the world or something like that. So she's a kind of mid to middle-ish to high ranking player, but she's yeah. never really done a lot on the world stage. And but she's, she's always now, been a, she's she's been a player that you wouldn't solid, like to, you wouldn't like to come up against. Very solid professional, and she's now been taken apart. By a fifteen-year-old. A fifteen-year-old. Yeah. Again, after Venus Williams got taken apart by her as well. Yeah. And and it's diff it's difficult not to make the comparison because there are obviously are very visible similarities to her. But what what I think she shares with Venus Williams, and I think I was thinking about this when I we were when I was coming over here today. One of the things that is massively underrated about Venus Williams when she came on the scene was her tactical and her strategic play in terms of how she'd mix up a game, how she would attack opponents. And the big point of difference when she burst on the scene, you've got to remember that the players that she was knocking out of contention for Grand Slams at the time were people like Martina Hingis, mm. who were, you know, Martina Hingis made her debut at, at Wimbledon, I think, at 14. Something I'm, ridiculous. You, you, know, yeah. you know, when power wasn't such a part of the game. And because Venus was so much more powerful... That was what everybody focused on. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a various course of study that you can look across um, lots of different sports. When commentators commentate on black athletes versus white athletes, they, they tend to focus on power and they mm -hmm. tend to focus on the physical attributes and less of the cerebral mental attributes. This is quite a, quite a long-standing study of in in uh, across sports commentary there's a famous study that that happened into uh, nba basketball and and commentators would would focus on the power and and physicality of black athletes and the tactical and and more kind of strategic play of white athletes and and this is something we've got to be conscious of so when it comes to coco golf I'm, I'm conscious that we don't i don't want to just compare it to to venus but there are obvious sort of striking similarities and 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 that's not just the visible, but also her her incredible mental play, and 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 what I mean by that is some of the serve change ups that I've witnessed yep. in the three short matches that I've watched her. I mean, if I was more aware of Coco, I would have we would have previewed her when we did the the, the next gen origins. Well, I mean, she's literally sort of come out of nowhere. Well, I mean, she kind of has come out of nowhere. She's got a wild card into qualifying, and that's how far she's come out of nowhere but her change-ups on second serve are phenomenal absolutely phenomenal she's got this um she's got one serve from the juice court that she hits a lot on second serve she, where she drifts it into the body and the, the we, i mean we literally, literally just now just watched it, just watched it now <laughs> and, and the work on the ball is absolutely tremendous i i, I think she is a serious candidate for the future, and, and, yeah, and also, I mean, like obviously, that's an obvious thing to say. Yeah, but also at fifteen years old, her, you know, she makes a few silly errors, but her shots, her shot selection, is generally very mature for someone that well, old. I and love, like, it's, I love the clarity with which she's playing as well. Like she, she was on interview after, after a second round win, and she said, the, the interviewer said, you know, are you, you know, worried about who you might get in the drawer and who's up coming and everything else she went oh, I'm not worried about anybody I, I like absolutely John McEnroe said after they panned back from the interview on BBC television said like absolutely fearless he, she mm. is fearless and and you know that's part of what comes with being 15 yeah she's got if she wanted to and not not that she would want to but if if it necessitates she's got five years of wilderness 
and she can come back to this level as a twenty year old and still be mm, yeah. an up and comer. You know, this is this is the level of the fact that this tournament doesn't actually matter that much. She is she's so in control as well. We're watching this match and some of the some of the expertise she's a phenomenal athlete and phenomenal tennis player and I I for one am Although she has just been broken, but Oh well she let me down there, didn't she? But uh, she did. She yeah. did let me down there. But you know, I I think that what I mean by she's so in control is or she of the awareness of her shot selection, the awareness of her options off serve, um, her her return options as well as strong. Yeah, I, I think she's a complete player. And you know, we've even seen a bit of volleying, which you don't get all that much yeah. uh, from from American athletes that come through and everything else. You know, we uh, we just touched on Andy Roddick earlier and the amount of work that we had had to do with it. I, I I'm excited, and this is this is quite honestly one of the best games of women's singles I've ever watched uh, it's, 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 it's immense and it, part of the reason is because of her preparedness to rip over the ball yeah and absolutely cremate the ball and you know not not play sometimes what can be when you watch women's tennis a bit a bit of a strategic game it's more about ball it's actually it's, in, it's interesting I'm, I'm going to digress slightly here but my my brother is um, a, is a performance analyst and and he's actually now head of recruitment at a professional football club and he he spent his time in uh, professional men's football at Premier League level um, and various other uh, various clubs and um, you know is now uh, doing the recruitment thing uh, for for Premier League clubs and and, and sorry uh, professional football clubs as well and we were watching uh, some of the women's World Cup the football World Cup together and he was saying how more strategic the women's game is. You know, there, there are obvious technical... The, the technical game's still got a little bit of development to do, you know, but, you know, the game's been professional for, what, 10 years, where the, men, the men's game's been professional for 110 years, you know. That, that's bound to happen, and there's a catch-up in coaching and various things like that. But that the game, the game that is developing, the women's professional game that's developing, is far more tactical, far more nuanced in what's going on and it, it takes someone who has that kind of insight to kind of reveal as an yeah. amateur watcher of football to reveal that level of tactics and women's tennis is a bit like this it's it, it because they don't have necessarily have the power to go through their opponent it's slightly even even post serena it's it's still a cerebral tactical game and you know i i think what i'm loving about watching coco here uh, Coco Goff here is is the the preparedness to rip over the ball, the preparedness to commit one hundred percent to the shot. Um, you know, from a fifteen year old, it's it's such impressive tennis. I, I I absolutely love watching this match. And if we're going to stick on the theme of impressive women's tennis, <clears throat> we've talked about an American for the last God knows how long, and sorry about that. Uh, but we've got our very own British Harriet Dart, who has. It's her first time at Wimbledon, and she's um, she's won her first two rounds at Wimbledon, and has played some really really good tennis. Well, she's been phenomenally for, successful for Britain in the in the Fed in Cup. In the Fed Cup, yeah, she's um, done really really but, well for, in a doubles capacity, principally. Yeah, um, I don't think many people saw this coming. From I haven't no. seen any hype about Harriet Dart. I haven't seen any. Well, she got a wild card in pretty late pretty late on. Um, and 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 you know what? Again. I mean, Katie Swan, uh, not not really anywhere. Um, Conter's, you know, progressing through nicely. 
we haven't again I, I, um, Heather Watson won a round and then didn't win the next round yeah. from from a good position. Women step British women's tennis. It's just another it's just another clip in another gear of progression. And rather than thinking of this as as kind of gears that you get in a car where you've kind of five and you know it's it's more like gears on a bike where there might be twenty one, and we're just clicking. Through. I think we're kind of in the middle the middle cog. Yeah, on the front right now, and we're just clicking through. And I hope that in five years' time, six years' time, we get into that top cog and we, we, we start finding that we've got three or four women that can compete in the second week of slams. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean it would be tough for, for Harriet Dart to, to get into the second week because in the third round, she's got Ashley Barty. Uh, so that is going to be a tough game. But that, um, that is one to watch. That's centre court on Saturday. She turned down Murray, didn't she? Barty, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Savage. Absolutely savage. And now he's got Serena. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag upgrade. Is it an upgrade? Well, on current world rankings, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, hilarious. But uh, but but Serena's got you know got doubles um, experience in history. You know she's won multiple Grand Slams in and in, Fed Cups. in in doubles and Fed Cups. So. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's great to see Harriet Dart, you know, getting through the first couple of rounds, having got a wild card, and to come up against, uh, you know, Ashley Barty, who's just won the French Open. Who do you fancy for the uh, who do you fancy for the women's title? Well, it'll be it's a, it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, Halep's still in; she's looking really strong. Barty is is looking strong, but obviously had a bit of an injury, so she pulled out of a couple of warm up tournaments. So. Mm. She's potentially a not many out people, of touch. not many players go French Wimbledon back to back because there's That's, such a short turnaround. I mean, there's there less, and there's it's, less and than it's, a month, and you couldn't really have a more diverse surface change either. It's slow to fast, it's uh, the obvious, yeah. Uh, like uh, it's it's the most dramatically different surface change going from clay to grass. So it's a it's a real real tough tough ask to go back to back. But you know, she's been in great in great nick. Halep's still in. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but cricket yeah, I mean, season's in as well. Yeah, oh God, cricket, yeah. <laughs> the vocabulary's uh, divergent across Yeah, that the may or may not have been on in the office for the <laughs> last few weeks. Um, but yeah, and, and obviously Serena Williams, you can't, you can't, you can't ignore, ignore Serena, who had a little scare. She dropped the first set yesterday, but then, yeah. but then battled back and, and took that one. Um, but... No, I think we're having a quick chat beforehand, and I think probably on balance, Halep's in the best. I mean, best I, w- I wonder if this is prejudiced by my experience of watching Halep play live, where she was so dominant, like so good, unbelievably good. Probably again, one of the most impressive female tennis. Actually, scrap that. One of the most impressive tennis performances I've ever seen. Um, from from any player, you know, so physically dominant from the back of the court. Her her physicality is is kind of often commented upon, but she's she again is one of these players that does have very uh, kind of good tactical awareness, very very strong on on moving her opponent around the baseline of the court. Um, whether she has the volleying capacity to win Wimbledon is is probably a question mark. But you know we heard it again in the first couple of days um, of this tournament that the grass to some players feels slower. 
Uh, I wonder whether that will... Oh, thank you, Robert. Yes, a top-up would be would be nice. Thank you. Is this more of the muscadet? This is more of the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah excellent. You know, I thought my, my... It's dry enough to match our wit. Our so, chat, yeah. Our chat. Um, but, uh, you know, there's... I, I, I'm a big Halep fan, and... I think I think Halep's Halep's my pick for the tournament. Other candidates, I mean, she's not through she's not through the third round yet. But Coco Goff. Oh, would that be a story or what? Fifteen. I mean, it's interesting because te- that means tennis has kind of come full cycle from Serena Williams destroying any possibility of a player without her. Sorry, a player who's not able to. Co- cope with her physicality winning a, a major and no no player who who couldn't cope with her physicality has won a major since she burst onto the scene mm. or since Venus burst onto the scene really um, are we now coming full circle we're seeing 15 year olds who are you know are capable of living with with women's tennis in this world like if this is if this is the future if this is what female tennis is able to produce then by by God, you know it's absolutely phenomenal. The quality of what we're yeah. watching here is is it's ridiculous. Un- it's unbelievable. Uh, and so, so and talking- Halle, whilst you got the wine and, and fetched it from the fridge and, and mucked around washing up in the kitchen or whatever, I filled on Halep. Who's your pick? Well, I think I, I'm struggling to. Uh, you know what? I, I'm struggling to look past Halep, but I think uh, I would like to go. I don't think Harriet Dart's going to beat Ashley Barty. You're not as going Conta. I'm not going Conta. No, I'm just waiting for that choke next week. Yeah, uh, Conta. What? So, so what round is Conta going to lose? If we're being, if we are, we are quite negative on Conta. Quarters. I reckon she'll get through the quarters. I think she'll choke in the semis. Are we having mm. a beer on that? Yeah. Shake on it. Beer on that. on that, yeah. Fine. Okay, so I reckon she'll get. I reckon she'll get through this. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to root for Ashley Barty. Okay, fine. That's... We're talking about young youngsters. Oh, here we go. Are we're we... <laughs> going to move across into the men's game. Segway. We're going to segue across into the men's game because um, there's look been a few upsets. You know, we're we're looking. You know, we, by the way, sorry, about... sorry, Rob. I'm going to sorry. I'm going to just interrupt you. They've just panned across the Wimbledon campus here. There are now because of the new refit on the courts. There are now multiple screens. There's there's the old Hemmen Hill. I refuse to call it anything else. It's Hemmen Hill. Murray Mount. Um, but there's other there's other big screens up on the court. The entire plazas around uh, rammed around those courts. I know that the outside courts are finished, but they are packed. Yeah. Watching this match, this Hurtcog uh, um, versus Coco Goff match, she has captured the imagination of mm. the tournament. She's captured our imagination. I mean, we spent 15, 20 minutes I discussing I mean, we the have match. rattled on quite a lot about her. No, which I don't is think... Why, and, I know, and I say that in a negative way, but it's not as a positive. I mean, it's fantastic for tennis, and it's great to see such a young, super talented girl taking the nation and the country and the tennis world by storm at this tournament. This podcast is supposed to replicate, you know, us post-match having a chat at the bar and, you know, it being an informal chat about tennis. She is the biggest story of tennis this year, yeah. frankly. Along, you know, Sitsipas, 
is a is a story as well, but he's not he's not got past the semi-final. Well, I was going to say this as well. This is kind of what I was moving on to quite nicely. We were talking about youngsters. Sorry, mate. I was going to talk about the sort of the, you know the next gen. We've talked a bit about you know the dominance of the top three now that, that Murray's in in the doubles. Um, but you know, if you look at the uh, the next gen, so you're talking team Sitsipas, Ojer Aliazim, Shapovalov. I mean, Aliazim has just gone a break up. He lost the first set to Ugo. Umber, yeah. um, but it's just going to break up in the second set. So that's positive. He's in round three, which is really good to see. But he's kind of the last man standing. Both um, Zverev mm. and Tsitsipas uh, went out in, in the first round. And team in the second round. Team in the second round. Luca Puy has gone through. Um, so it's been a slightly disappointing Wimbledon for the next gen. But, um, you know, I think if... If uh, if it gets to one all in Aliazim Umber, I think Aliazim's got the got the talent to to to, to go through there. Um, so it is slightly disappointing to see people like Sitsipas um, and and Shapovalov's out as well. Um, yeah. So you know we've seen some big names go, and, and you know we're not going to get a rap on Centre Court. Um, which is even a, a blessing. More, a blessing. All the more disappointing. No, frankly. a blessing. A blessing. Yes. A blessing. <laughs> you gotta give him um, that. I, the one thing I would say but again, again about are... Felix is that he he's progressed so far. This is the first set he's dropped. Mm. So his progression so far has been fairly serene. He feels to me as a you know we're British, so this is a British centric podcast, and Wimbledon's the biggest tournament of the year. And that means that grass court's a big deal. He seems to me to have, at least across two surfaces... The most chance of... The most of, chance. Yeah, because like the, the, it was a point that, that, that we raised and, and Ricky raised earlier, actually, was before we started recording, is that, yes, Shapovalov, Sitsipas and... Um, team. Uh, t- sorry, uh, not, not team. team. Um, What's-his-face? L- proper uh, mind blank. Yeah, I've said since first, and Shapovalov. Um, Zverev. 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 Uh, they're all hardcore players. Yes, they um, are. They are all excellent on a hardcore, and that is their that is their favourite surface. Um, and so, whilst it's disappointing on the face of it to see them all going out first round... It's not that surprising. It's not necessarily a shock. Uh, but and, and actually, the bigger tournaments, if you... Sorry to... If you were... If you were... Sh- thinking strategically and I think they do think strategically like this I think Dimitrov is an example of this and I think Raonic is an example of this they think okay if I'm going to half have a go at another surface then clay is probably is more next, profitable well Madrid, yeah. you think you've got Madrid you've got Monte Carlo you've got, you've longer, got Barcelona you've got a longer season you've got and, and then you've got the French Open so you've got, you got a, it's more lucrative yeah if you're going to have a second surface to be clay for, to make it clay than grass which is a rational choice but it does mean that the Wimbledon surface becomes slightly more boutique as, yeah. a, as a service, but we, but we saw sense. like I was watching Ali Azim. Sorry, it's no, no, it's fine because it's an interesting point because I was watching Ali Azim in in you know in Miami and um, oh goodness me, what's the other one thousand series in the Indian Hart? Wells? Indian Wells, thank you. Sorry, the Muscadet is taking its toll. Um, we are into the second bottle, and um, you know even on the hard, he was 
coming to the net and taking the point on. And he's he's got the game to, to play grass, which is, I think, one of the reasons why we're seeing him progress further than, than anyone else. So I'm excited to see how far he can go because he is super talented. Is what success... Felix this week. Well, I think this week, you know, given oh, this uh, this tournament. Well, this sorry. this this tournament. I think if he gets into the second week, I, I, I think agree. he can. I think he can look at himself and go, yeah, Progress. that was that was that was a good a good Grand Slam on grass. Looking at the draw, it's not it's not brilliant, but it's not massively imposing. Is he? Is he, I think I think he's got to be one top ten player to get through to the next to the quarters. So if you're looking at the draw, is he is he then is it a missed opportunity? If I've got that right, I'm, I'm going um, off memory. I haven't got yeah, any notes I, in front of me for that. So. Even even still, I don't think it's a missed opportunity because he Cause the, guy's so like, the guy's like eighteen. Well, I think he might be nineteen now. But um, yeah, yeah, but you know, so so I'm excited to see him in terms of. Talent. I mean, we're going to bring it back to who would I want to play doubles with and who would I want to go to the pub with pre and post game. What a match last <sighs> night with Kyrgios Nadal. I mean, it was always going to it was always going to be spicy because of the history. It was always going to have a bit of an edge, but it didn't disappoint. It didn't disappoint. It was a fantastic game. I had it on at the office, and then as unashamedly soon as, on unashamedly at the office. Everyone in in the office was like, "Are you a tennis fan?" Oh, how did you guess? Um, I have a podcast, and also, you know, there not many people. You know, people in the tennis world or outside, sorry, outside of the tennis world, are not necessarily fans of Kyrgios. And there's lots of people who aren't fans of Kyrgios in the tennis world, and there are completely legit reasons for that. And I am not disregarding those for a moment. Am I a massive fan? Yeah, unashamedly. I've declared it on the podcast for several episodes. Um, but he didn't disappoint. He put up a fight. He played some great tennis, you know, chucked in a couple of underarm serves just for good measure as a, as a bit of a nod back to Acapulco. Um, and yeah. uh, it was just, it was fantastic. There was drama. He had a go at the umpire for... Oh, constant dialogue. Constant, constant for, chirp at for the, the umpire. For the, for the, and, and, and for good reason. The game should be dictated at the pace of the server. And Nadal is there, bloody touching both ears, his face, his nose, doing his OCD syndrome, not only on serve, but at return of serve. And Kyrgios is there mid-action and, and, and Nadal's telling him to stop serving, uh, which, you know, isn't quite right. Kyrgios raised it um, and nothing really happened. Uh, you know, Nadal didn't get punished. In the end, um, Kyrgios did. Kyrgios said for himself getting a, for, that, for getting a warning. Kyrgios said himself that wasn't the reason he lost. Like in the pe- hmm. in the no, also it, also spicy press conference afterwards. Oh, it was a, it was a great press conference. Brilliant press conference. <laughs> it was. Um, but uh, you know, he also he also said you know that that, that wasn't the reason he lost. And no, Nadal played fantastically, and and he ignored the the antics, um, and he upped his game when he needed to. Um, and, 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 and I'm still, I'm still tennis, so, so a centre court ticket, a centre court ticket costs for a pair of tickets. You cost two hundred quid, right? You yeah. Know, for for you know back, not necessarily back back row, but pretty much the back row under the cantilevers. So you turn up in your shorts and t-shirt, and you bring a jumper and a rug for you know to to, <laughs> uh, to make sure that you're warm enough under it because it gets bloody cold under there. Um, 
you've got you know you're in the first cup you're in the first week so you watch a blowout you watch a blowout two setter or three setter in the first match you've got a blowout to come you know where it's going to be two sets and that's it and your main you know the meat and two veg of your afternoon that you've paid 200 quid for 100 quid a seat plus travel plus hotel plus everything else is Nick Kyrgios you look at the draw I know where, I know where you're going with are, this. are you do you have faith that he's going to turn up uh, I, it, yeah I knew do you know what I, you know I, what I, I mean I, I absolutely get it so from if I was a because you're uh, a curious if fan I, if I was a, if I was a um, an average uh, tennis fan I, I play a bit I watch a bit and I go to one tournament a year and you pay X amount for a ticket you play through the nose. You pay through the nose for a ticket. You pay through the nose for a hotel. Um, and you get Kyrgios, and there is a risk that he will tank it. If he's not, um, if, if he's, he's been, if he went to the pub the night before. If he's not in, if he's not in the mood, there is a risk. And yes, that it, I completely sympathise that that would be such, such, such a disappointment. Do you think you would change your mind? If that were to happen to you, because you're you're like me, you don't, you know, you're we we you know we we we're, we're lucky to live in Ealing, we're lucky that you know we we have a fantastic tennis club which is incredibly affordable for under thirty fives. It's less affordable if you're over thirty five, by the way, but you know it's incredibly affordable and accommodating for for people of our age. Um, we're lucky enough to you know to live in this fantastic tennis area. We have this vibrant league and everything else. You, 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 do you know what am I trying to get out of here? I, I, I think that we don't have a lot of disposable. Um, that's your yeah, big would I, tennis. Would, would I be disappointed to see Kyrgios on the draw? Me personally, no. But would I be hacked off if he tanked it completely? Would you change your mind if you saw him play, I don't know, a, a, I don't know, a Raonic or a, a Dimitrov? Uh, a mid-ranking guy who should this should, on paper Kyrgios Raonic Kyrgios Dimitrov should be a fantastic game he gets pissed off in the first set doesn't turn up for the next two yeah. and that's and that's your 250 quid yeah I, I completely get it I mean the Nadal match was never going to be that because, because, because the of history the, and the the, the, the interaction mm, they've had before mm. he was always going to be up for that fight and it didn't disappoint um, you know he rattled through once he got broken in the third set he got broken midway through the third set and he tanked the last three games. But I think that was more tactical because he's like, well, I've got to break down. Let's conserve energy and go for it in the fifth. And I think he, I think he said he said in the press conference that his, his head had gone a little bit and he, you know, he, he wanted to conserve himself because the set had probably gone. Yeah. And, you know, w- with where he was positionally. That, yeah. And I, I think that was a tactical decision rather than a, a head decision but then again you know you've seen him you've seen himself we've seen himself disrupt destruct against um schreiber and all sorts you know i mean that 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 this season was a, a prime example so go on so come on so say he's got cole schreiber yeah he's playing cole schreiber you pay for first week center court tickets or, or court one tickets it happens to be kyrgios cole schreiber or kyrgios uh dimitrov or wh- whoever on the bill you turn up you watch that and he tanks. I'd be fuming. Would if you? I, would you still talk, be a fan? 
talking from the because you can only you can only answer for you. If I'm going for me, I would still be a fan, and the reason being is that I'm lucky enough that you know I I. I'm a huge fan of tennis and I watch a lot of tennis. The guys in the office will tell you I bore on about tennis so much. <laughs> um, rightly. Rightly so. You know, I just Instagram my new sneaks. Um, but Coral pink, ladies and gentlemen. Black with coral pink. Sexy as. Um, but we digress. But the point being, I watch enough tennis and I watch enough of Kyrgios that his, his tanking is, for me personally, and I say this for me personally overshadowed by the just immense natural talent that this guy's got and no matter what match he's in I can't help but root for it and part of it is you know finger in the air I can't quite intangible finger on it it's slightly intangible and I can't help myself but I can't help but root for him. And yes, he doesn't do us any favours. Yes, he admits to going out boozing the night before. Yes, he admits to playing basketball at, until two in the morning and knackering his knees. Yes, he admits to playing FIFA until three in the morning before a match. But the guy's got so much talent. And he knows it. And he knows he's got to sort his head out. He knows he's got to get himself a coach. And he's said in the interview, he knows he can beat the best in the world. He knows he can win grand slams. He just needs to go... How, he just needs to ask himself how much... Does he want it? And he admitted that in in several press conferences this year and on another podcast earlier in the year. He knows what he's got to do. He's just got to work out whether he wants to do it. So so here's where I turned around on Kyrgios. So I was anti-Kyrgios for some time uh, because I felt that his decorum wasn't, you know, it, it, my, my big thing was that he disrespected his opponent. And and that's where I felt like you can you can was this big Stan and his girlfriend? Uh, they're they're very. I mean, he's had a go at Murray before. That you know they're best bit, mates. They're, no, but he has in the past. Yeah, he has. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, that that was where I that was where I kind of thought that that was there was a line there that you can you can be whoever you want to be on the court, but I don't think you should disrespect. And there's a difference between a few things that I'm going to we're about to come on to. I think. Uh, there's a difference between disrespect and and and, and gamesmanship and and trying to win and uh, and being ultra competitive. I think that where it turned around for me was when I learned about his foundation and the fact that mm. one of the focuses for him has been that you know it's helped him tremendously on the court to say winning this match means that. I get an extra whatever for my foundation. It yep. means I'm sending an extra kid to school. It means that there are extra there's extra funds to do extra stuff for his foundation. Yeah, to bring he, sports he to like underprivileged kids. I mean, but he does yeah. more than that. Yeah, he does. education. He does, that. He does a whole lot. And, and and I think it's worth pointing out that he he said himself that he was headed down the Tomic route. You know, properly. I mean, let's not get on to Tomic because it's just gonna boil my blood. Like, what a fucking, <laughs> what a waste, man. But um, you know, Kyrgios was headed down that route, but he found this foundation. He found this. What it turns out to have been external motivation. That if I do this, if I win this round of tennis, it means there's more money available for people who really need it. People who really ble- bloody need it. And uh, I know, I know, and. And and for me, 
I that's where I turned around on him because yeah. everybody says he's a sweetheart off the court. Everybody says he's the nicest guy you could ever meet off the court. And you know, that coupled with his foundation meant I, I now have all the time in the world for him. And, and what's re- a what's a chair thrown on court in anger amongst friends, right? No, but I, I mean, like you've played, you've played enough tennis with me. There's fire, like I, yeah. tennis. Tennis I, I like is a gladiatorial one sport. Of the, one of the things I like about Kyrgios is that you know, as much as I'm not disrespecting the athleticism, the skill, the talent, the hard work of some of these players on tour. You know, your Federer's, your Djokovic's, your Murray's, your Nadal. They're it's all a little bit beige, and Kyrgios brings a bit of spice to the game. She's and done it. Corey Goff Talking about one. some spice to the game. Ladies and gentlemen, we are watching live. Oh my goodness me. Coco Goff has just come back from a set and 5 2 down to win in two, <laughs> in three is sets. Sorry. Unbelievable. She's won 7 6, uh, 7 5 in the, in the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the latter two sets. Unbelievable. So 15 good. and under 130 days young. What a future. They're panning to her parents, who are, as I understand it, sort of former professional or semi-professional athletes who obviously saw talent. They sent her off to a, um, a tennis boarding school at the age of 10 or 12 or something like that. And obviously, I don't think there's a lot of money there, but it's it's... It, they invested in their kid's future. They believed in her. And at 15 and 130 days, she's just got through to the second week of Wimbledon. That's amazing. What an effort. And on that note, I mean, what an amazing, amazing moment. And it's an amazing match. And we've we've gone on for some time here because there's been so much tennis to talk about. We're about to switch off and watch uh, Andy Murray versus Serena Williams you in know the what? mixed doubles, which is next on court. Um, and we are the gonna, men's can wait for next week. Yeah, we're going to catch up again next week. Um, but I think this is just a fantastic point to to end this episode on. So thanks Coco again, Goff. Coco Goff, through to the second week at 15 years old. Thank you so much for listening. And if, we you're will, uh, if you're still listening. If you're still listening. And we will reward you with another episode next week where we'll have a look a bit more at the men's game and the second week of Wimbledon. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening to the Grand Slam Tennis Podcast. Mm-hmm.